So you light bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames But Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got a podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Welcome back. This is Brad Jones coming to you from the Bon Vivant International Media Center. We've missed you. We're glad to have everybody back. We hope everybody is safe. Joining me, of course, is the man, the legend. You need him, you love him, you can't live without him. He is the Bon Vivant, our own. Hello, Keith Inlo. Hello, how's it going? Good, good, good. Good. Glad to be back down it here. Is, at the, it's always good uh, to be back. You know, we have so much fun doing these shows that uh, I hope the audience, our listening audience, has as much fun listening as we do uh, recording them. I think so, too. And I'm excited about some of the future things we've got to talk about. Lynn Cannon came and we did a little radio with Lynn. Lynn is the uh, executive director of the new Riverside Amphitheater. Yes. Here in Jefferson City. Yes. A great venue, outdoor amphitheater venue that we are very excited about. And by the time we talk to Lynn, we will have a couple of shows in the can, so to speak. And we want her to actually be able to talk about that. So. Yeah, well, I mean, she literally has grown up in the industry. Uh, she has got to have stories. Oh, oh yeah. man. Well, Started they, on the tech side, working backstage yeah. in front of house and stuff like that, and kind of morphed into an executive director position. And Yeah, she does. And so we've got her coming up. Uh, we have the promised beer show. Yes, we have the beer show with the last flight boys because they're going to be over. Yep. Um, they're they are going great guns. I am so proud of them. Yep. Uh, we have a new uh, brewery here in town, and they are called Last Flight. And uh, there was a little article in the Buzz uh, that they're closed on Monday and Tuesday, and right now they're making as much beer as they can sell. Right. That's, that's a good problem. A, that's a good problem. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, we've got the we've got the blacksmith bourbon guys we've got that the, we want to have. We've got too. the blacksmith bourbon Our guys over stiller. there. Yeah. Um, yep. We met those guys. I I don't think we have to say much. I just think I think we just turn them loose and they'll they'll take it and run. <laughs> I think we'll be we'll, lucky to get a word in edgewise with those guys. <laughs> so I agree. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. But today we have with us the producing artistic director from the Lyceum Theater, Mister. Quinn Grisham. There it is. There it is. I'm so happy to be here, guys. I didn't call him Quinn Schneider, though, the former basketball coach for the Missouri Tigers. If you must blame someone, I'll take the blame for that, I guess. (laughs) When I first moved here, how often I heard that. Yeah. Hey, it's Quinn. Snyder? No. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong one. I outlasted him. Different hairdo. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're great. Well, welcome to the Bon Vivant International Media Center. It sounds a lot cooler, doesn't it, than Brad's basement? You know, it has that Wayne's World sort of thing. So we thought, let's class it up, whether it is or not. We've done a couple shows on the road. And at some point, we really want to do uh, one of these shows up at the up at the theater. We'll wait. That would be great. We'll wait till we get get things cranking up there. But that would be so much fun. So before we go much further, we need to tell our audience because we have an international audience. I believe it. What the Lyceum Theater is, where it's located, because that's got to set the stage for everything. 
Uh, our local market is going to know that, but not everybody around the globe. That's right, because we are international. You, so. you know what is so funny about that? We regularly get calls uh, from people from the U.K. wanting to get tickets to The Lion King, which is currently playing at the Lyceum Theater in London. In London. <laughs> we, we, we don't sell them, don't worry. I was going to say, a little side hustle for us. We could, we could, we could take a little cut on that right, and right. Get, in, get in touch with the, with the Lyceum in, in London. And That'll say, increase hey. the cost of your theater evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, and you're going to need a plane ticket. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes so. Well, unlike the Lyceum in London, we are in a town of 56 people. Arrow Rock, Missouri, which is uh, the entire town is a, a national historic landmark. Right. With Beautiful, beautiful uh, um, preservation and restoration work uh, by the Friends of Arrow Rock. There is, there are few more beautiful places, I think. It's gorgeous than Arrow Rock, Missouri. And it's a, it's about how far northwest of Columbia? I knew you were going to ask me cardinal direction questions. For me, it's about a forty-five minute drive. Yeah, forty-five minutes. So yeah. it's a, it's an easy. Easy drive from Columbia, Missouri, which is smack dab in the middle of Missouri. Right. Yeah. right. And we have the designation. I say we, and I'm going to probably use that pronoun because I'm on the board. Yep. So all, full disclosure, I call it we and us. So there it is. But we are a designated historical theater by, well, the legislature. The Missouri legislature. Yeah. yeah. That's that right. We, we help to get passed. And they can so. do whatever they damn well please. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> now. Too no soon. Politics. Too no soon, too soon Keith. Yeah. yeah, too soon. Okay. So anyway, but yes, and and the reason why we have uh, that designation is such an amazing thing that we have been a continuously run theater for 60 years. And there's only a couple, three others that can really say that. We are the second oldest uh, after the Muni in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's quite a feat for any theater anywhere, oh, yeah. and especially when you consider... The unique circumstances of the Lyceum in a sparsely populated area um, that people have to make an effort to get to. Right. Uh, But you have developed over the years a loyal patronage and sponsorship program and that that has sustained you through the years. And so congratulations. We're we're proud of the fact that we have the Lyceum here in Missouri. It's a it's a gem in the uh, crown of Missouri for sure. We are so proud of it too. And it's, we, we stand on a lot of shoulders here, uh, because in 1961, this theater was not a, I don't even know if it was a good idea. (laughs) It was an idea. The the town of Arrow Rock at that point, I think you could have purchased on a credit card with a low credit limit. Um, I don't know that the roads were paved. The friends of Arrow Rock hadn't done all of their wonderful work. It didn't look anything like what it looks like today. Uh, and somehow, um, over the years, uh, everything worked. It's just, uh, I, I, I really think it's a miracle. It's become a destination. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when you're talking about tourism and uh, entertainment, the entertainment business, the entertainment industry, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for a destination. Right. Great well, job, you guys. It does have, it does have a, a entertainment a distinction. However, does it not? It has been in a major motion picture. Arrow Rock. Oh, Arrow Rock has. I was I was yeah, thinking of the theater, Rock. which is in it at a distance. But yeah. The nineteen seventy something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Uh, Tom Sawyer film with uh, Jodie Foster and Johnny Whitaker and uh, Celeste Holmes Celeste was Holmes. filmed right there in Arrow Rock, yep. and uh, that's going to be celebrating a big fiftieth anniversary coming up really soon. Yeah. Oh wow! There's a couple of scenes in there, Keith. It just shoots right up 
right up Main Street, right up there, the, the, the dirt and brick streets. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it serves as a pretty good Hannibal. Well, I, I hope that I'm correct in saying this, but the the boardwalk in Arrow Rock was actually built for that movie. Oh, it was. Yeah, and and it's been maintained ever since. But uh, that that wasn't there prior to uh, the Tom Sawyer movie. I think I'm right about that. See the factoids that you learn there you here go. on the W educational and entertaining on the We Like That Too podcast. Yep. That's right. That's right. You know, this is my first podcast. Really? I've never actually done this before. I don't know what the rhythm is supposed to be. I don't know how any of this is supposed to work. Well, so this you got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's with us. So let's, since it is your first podcast yeah. and your first time here, and we do hope that you will be a uh, repeating guest as seasons change and and that kind of thing. The format of the podcast is one bottle, two good friends, that's Brad and myself and our guest, and which makes three people, but anyway, and three top picks. So let's, if you're ready, let's get into the one bottle first. Great. We'll talk a little bit. We always open a bottle and sample it, and then we'll get more into the, the Lyceum and your story. But we always like to start drinking early so we can drink throughout the program. <laughs> do, do your listeners know at what time this is recorded? Well, we this is to, this is a little early, actually, for well, us. Well, we're doing a breakfast show. We're doing a, brunch, a breakfast a show. show. We have a morning. brunch motif for <laughs> Yes, we show. do. We do. Uh, which kind of carries through with what we're drinking and things. It today. does. It does. So let's let's talk about what we're opening today. And this is a first for the podcast because we're going to talk about a sparkling wine today. One of the podcasts that Brad and I are really enamored with, and, and I don't mind plugging them because we like it, is... Uh, Wine Access Unfiltered, which has a couple of young ladies on it that are just uh, wonderful to listen to. But they love sparkling wine, and they especially talk a lot about cava, which is a Spanish version of a sparkling wine. So our bottle sponsor, the fabulous Matt Green at Barvino in beautiful downtown Jefferson City, we asked him about a cava, and he provided this for us this morning. So shout out to Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. So today we are drinking a 2016 Galita Brut Grand Reserve Cava, sparkling wine from Spain, uh, as opposed to Prosecco, Italy, Champagne, France, and uh, other things. The grape is something that I had never heard of. It's called a Macabeo or Macabo grape, and the grape is supposed to make the white sparkling wine a little creamier. You'll get hints. Well, I won't tell you what you're supposed to smell. Yeah, or let me have an experience let's, let's, here. Let's, yeah, let's taste and just uh, knock knock one back. There. It's a, it's a beautiful pale yellow color, mm-hmm. and of course, there's the little bubblies that are moving up through the the flute. That is just about as crisp and clean and what you would expect. Wow. What do you think, Quinn? I, it's really good. Yeah. That so is. it is a brute, which means it's dry, but it's not terribly dry. Yeah. There's it's really one. a medium mm-hmm. dryness to it. Because there's a designation above brute, right? Yes, there is. And I Which can't remember what it is. like really broody. It's like extra brute. <laughs> extra brute. <laughs> super brute. It's like, it's like super, super brute. Super like brute. Maybe brutus. brutus. I don't know. Um, but I, hope the, I hope the wine access girls hear that. They're, they will be so... Yeah, and they'll really they'll be, be really willing impressed. to do our show, won't yeah, they? Yeah, Quinn, one of, these, one of these girls is actually has a designation as a master of wine. So, I mean, which is like up there with Master Sommelier. Right. I mean, it's yeah. way up there. And the other one, the other one was the um, curator. She was... Uh, press. Right, press, 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 yeah, in press, Napa Valley, right in the middle of the Napa Valley. So I mean, the other cool thing about them is one of them has a musical theater background, and the other one has an opera background. So right. they're both theater people, my kind yeah. of people. Yeah, we so, got to get them on the show. Yeah, we do. If you guys are listening, please 
for crying out loud. I'm on bended knee. We are, we are on bended knee. We would love to. Uh, that would be about a three-hour show, too, yeah. I think. This is good stuff. This it's great. really good. This is very light, clean, crisp, well-balanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get fruit out of this, but it is not overly sweet. And, and i got to tell you, walking into this, I'm a little concerned. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm concerned because I'm watching Brad throw <laughs> kava all over the room. <laughs> That was close. I'm supposed I, to drink it, Brad. I don't no. like sweet, and this is this, yeah, is, this the is the perfect balance. Yeah, not sweet at all. No, we're going to take the next step with this here later in the program. Add a little orange juice to this and make some mimosas. We're going to make mimosas with my hand squeezed orange juice. I'm, I'm going to be more in my pulp glass. Filtered. And mostly, mostly pulp filtered. <laughs> so anyway, the Cava, the Galita, 2016, and it's a vintage. It's a vintage sparkling, which you don't always get a vintage on there. Mm-hmm. But this is a 2016. A little more about this bottle. It's aged three years in the bottle before it's released, and that's supposed to help mellow out the the flavors and the the tannins in it. Great pairings with things like sushi, white meats, fishes, creamy cheeses. And that Macabeo grape is grown in the Rioja region of Spain, which is a little bit south of Barcelona, that's northeast sort of the, Spain. That's sort of their Napa Valley. The, the Rioja yeah. area, there's some fantastic uh, Spanish wines yes. that come out of that. That come out of that area. Yes, Rioja is a very well-known region of, of Spain, great production. They're known for their reds, of course. Yes, but, um, yes. But that's where this grape is primarily grown. And actually, both sides of the Pyrenees, they grow this grape. So this is this was a great choice. I yeah. mean, this really yeah. was a good choice. I, and of, I really enjoyed it. Of course, the bottle picture will be on the website, welikethatpodcast.com. You'll always see pictures of what we're drinking. Here's another great note about this bottle. Price point, $19. $19. Yeah. Our One of our associate producers points out that this winemaker has been around since 1448, so these folks know what they're well, you doing. You think they'd get it right by yeah. now, then. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> but that was a good one. That was a good uh, a good bottle. Thank you again to our bottle sponsor, Barvino, Matt Green, beautiful downtown Jefferson City. That's the one bottle. Look at that. That's gorgeous. The, uh, the producer just, has. Uh, we have a mimosa made, that which looks Brad's trying amazing. right now. We'll we'll talk over his slurping. What do you think? Oh man! Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and you know, uh, Matt told me that when you make mimosas out of this, usually a little bit of orange juice is all you need. It doesn't need to be a half and half concoction. I have to say that's always been my view well, of mimosas yes. <laughs> that the orange juice is there for color. That's about it. Vitamin C is important. I like your style. Is important and good for you. Yes, like good and good for you. Yeah, that way you can say it's healthy. Right. right. Yeah, vitamin we can C go with healthy. We'll see what you think there, Kay. You know I, was, and I, think we I like a good mimosa anyway. but Yeah, I kind of do too. But that oh. your, your base has to be good for a good mimosa. And yeah. this kava is a really nice base. So thanks to the Wine Access Unfiltered ladies for turning us on to kava. Thanks to... Uh, Matt for getting some to us. Yep, that's right. the one bottle that I don't know if you're going to get to drink on all of your podcasts, but you know at least you'll remember. You always remember your first. I right? just want everyone listening at home to know that the guest was the last one to be served, and I and I, I did enjoy it very much. I'm not even sure how to respond to that. I don't either. I, was I going, blame the associate producer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, we have we have labor shortages everywhere. Yes, so yeah. you know that's that's about it. It's hard to get good help. Yeah. So. Maneuvering a live theater through a pandemic is uh, probably something you didn't figure that you were going to sign on to when you became the uh, artistic director for for the Lyceum Theater. And I'm sure it's something that you do not want to have to maneuver through again. You know, being on the board, we all just kind of had to figure stuff out. And 
you guys did it so expertly, and we're going to come out of this thing. We're selling tickets. We've got a season we're going to talk about here in a minute. Talk a little bit about going through this last year because it's been it's been gut-wrenching, and it's been gut-wrenching, Quinn, and it's been inspiring at the same time. Yeah, uh, we felt that too, uh, both the wrenching and the inspiration. Uh, and you do wonder, will there be classes in grad school in future years about here's something that could happen that you need to be prepared for? Because none of us were. Theater leaders around the country, and I'm talking the biggies, um, uh, were, we were all in contact with each other. There was no separation between anybody that was running a, a, a theater. And um, everyone had thoughts, experience, advice that we were all sharing with each other. And that was a really uh, exciting thing to know that uh, regardless of the size of uh, an organization, we were all facing the exact same. Everybody struggle. was in the same leaking boat. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, we have an incredibly hardworking staff, uh, and we have an unbelievable support network uh, among our patrons who just value live professional theater right here in the heart of Missouri, and they kept us alive. I mean, it, it is that simple. Um, so when we reopen in August. Uh, we are only able to do that because of the level of support we received, and we're just we're incredibly grateful. Give us a, give us a little rundown on your staff because they're they are just absolutely the salt of the earth. And uh, I th- I'd like to give them a little shout out and kind of talk about their responsibilities I, because I, you would you would think we've got twenty five thirty people. We do not. Yeah, it's a small <laughs> shop, and I, I don't know that I would call all of them salt of the earth, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Steve Bertani is our managing director. Uh, Steve, uh, he's talking about you, Steve. <laughs> right, well, I, I, I did make that leap, didn't I? Uh, Steve has done a tremendous job, as he always does at the theater, but uh, this past year particularly, making sure that we were uh, keeping expenses as low as we possibly could, but also looking for every opportunity to bring additional revenue into the into the theater where we weren't selling any tickets. Um, it, it, it is a real testament to his work, as it is uh, Teresa Berkeley, who is our director of development. Uh, she had a terrific fundraising year, uh, and she had that terrific fundraising year, again, because of the care and uh, uh, meaningfulness that the theater holds for so many uh, of our patrons. Uh, we have Tempe McLaughlin, who has been in the box office. She's probably she's been. She's really the face of of, of the the theater. She's for the a gatekeeper lot, for a lot of people no because you know you call Tempe, you got a ticket problem. Yeah, that's you who call they Tempe, see. and we we firmly believe the front line should be the friendliest, and Tempe does such a great job. She's amazing, and she she's probably been you know during the pandemic, so many of us were working from home. Uh, Tempe wasn't because that phone only rang in that office there, yeah. um, and and I'm just so grateful to her for all of her, her hard work. Our, our company manager, Paula Danner has done a terrific job. You know, we, we, we joke, there's no company to manage. What do you do? Uh, and Paula actually uh, set about to digitize our massive historical archives. I'm talking thousands and thousands of photos, press clippings. And we now all, we, we have all of that on a, a drive that we can access really easily. Uh, so that's, that's really great. Give a 30 seconds on Paula because she, uh, she has a special place in her heart because of a show that she was very involved with. When Paula was growing up in California, uh, she ended up being one of the orphans in the first national tour of Annie when she was <laughs> wow. a little kid. Yeah. Wow. Uh, she went on to, uh, tour Europe and cats, um, had a, uh, a a hotel management background, and all of these things combined to make her perhaps the single most qualified person to ever be a company manager. Uh, she she takes care of our housing. She takes care of 
getting uh, company members to the doctor, getting them uh, uh, on their flights on time, picking them up when they don't get on their flights on time. Uh, she 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 has she is the master of uh, a million details, and we're so lucky to have her. And Amy Wilder, our director of marketing and communications, makes sure that everybody knows what's going on. And in a year where we couldn't spend any money, um, Amy did a great job uh, utilizing social media uh, and making sure that all of that, all of those treasures that Paula found while scanning everything, I love were shared. With I the love the stuff that Amy put out, pictures and things that we've never seen. We we have we've written the book. We wrote the book over the summer. Yeah. So all we need is somebody to publish it. Wow. Nice. Hint, hint. hint. Nice. Yeah. And, and, any listeners out there? <laughs> well, that would make a great coffee table book. Mm-hmm. It would. You know, you think about it. it. Would. The sixty-year history of a. Am I correct? Lyceum is a regional yes. professional theater. Uh, because I think we, that's how you would describe it. Because our contract with Actors Equity Association is under the League of Resident Theaters, uh, we we are a regional theater. Right, and there are many others across the country similar. Uh, a lot of them uh, operate in. Festival environments, that kind of thing. Some of your Shakespeare festivals over the summer, right. those kind of things. So regional theater is alive and well in the United States and, and does a lot to get live theater to places where it doesn't. it's not always accessible. You know, we can talk about New York and Chicago and Toronto and L.A. and, and that kind of thing, your, your metropolitan areas. But for people who aren't close to those things, regional theater really plays a, a Huge role in exposing our public to live theater. Well, in all of those cities, you throw a rock, you're probably going to hit some sort of uh, arts organization. Sure. When you look around and everywhere you see are cornfields, that's not exactly <laughs> where you expect to find one. And, right. and that, that I think, makes the Lyceum so much more important. That's the miracle of the Lyceum as far as I'm concerned. I, as I've said, there is no earthly reason on this planet that there should be a professional theater in, in Arrow Rock, Missouri. 2019, you had 39,000 people or yeah, so. Yeah, something like that. Went, went through the doors of the Lyceum. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. Well, the other thing that I really appreciate about Lyceum is, yes, it is a professional equity theater, but you also utilize local regional talent that are not professionals maybe especially if you're doing a show like an annie where you have young performers trying to cut their teeth on live theater and performing and and get their foot in the door and to me that is a very encouraging for the region to have that opportunity to come in audition get cast and work in a professional environment maybe over the summer tell us a little bit about how that works yeah that that's a really exciting part of what we do because I grew up in a small town in Arkansas with very little access to anything like what the Lyceum offers. And uh, having the opportunity to put a kid in a show with professional talent where they can learn really what the industry is actually, not just what it looks like, and also learn a little bit about what, what skills it takes to, to really pull off uh, what we do. I think that's incredible. And that's how Brad and Brenda and I actually met. Uh, because their daughter was in our production of Annie. And and there are many, uh, not just young performers, but there are, you know, you use non-professional sure. adults too. Mm-hmm. That You've been very idea. kind to Jefferson City. Yeah. And, well, I should say maybe Jefferson City has been very kind to you. Yeah, there you go. We've sent some, we've sent some, uh, some really good folks up. To, that have had great experience. One of which, recent guest. One of which uh, is uh, Bailey Maria. Yeah. yeah, Bailey's done previous really, guest. Bailey's done well, and as and repeatedly has said, I would love to come back sometime and do something at the Lyceum. So keep, keep that in the back of your head. Yeah. You so, got it. Yeah. You know, it's always been a mystery to me the the whole casting how how you've got 
all of these regional casting folks out there and directors like yourself looking for all of these actors to fill all of these different roles and how that all happens uh, without you all killing each other, I think is a fascinating sort of a because you've got to be you've got to have some of the same shows since you're looking to cast. I don't know how it all works, but I know we've changed the way we do it a little bit. Yeah, which well, makes we, it a little easier. We we use a, a a terrific casting office, which we used to not do. Jason Styers uh, cast our 2020 season, which turned into our 2021 season. Um, so this is a weird year to talk about the whole casting process <laughs> because we haven't done it. We're just using what we did in 2020 when we were last there um i'd say about 90 percent of our talent comes out of those new york city auditions i don't know that that's right 75 percent maybe depends on the year and then there are lots of terrific actors from st louis and kansas city and columbia and springfield and really all over uh that typically even though we didn't do it this year will come to arrow rock and audition for us or you go to st louis or, or kansas city sometimes we, we sometimes yeah. do that too yeah. you come down to jeff city i, I think, think probably the last time we did Columbia. that was when yeah. we were casting annie yeah uh, because we wanted to find all those great kids uh in the various communities um but yeah we we back when i handled it myself we would receive in excess of 10 to twelve thousand submissions each year uh from actors that want to be considered for our auditions and that always blows my mind yeah Arrow Rock population 56, and there are that many people interested in auditioning. Um, and now that part of things is handled by the casting office, and we get to show up, and we get to just see all the wonderful talent they've lined up for us. And we had a great casting session in 2020, and I'm happy to say that uh, for the most part, the people that we hired in 2020 are going to be joining us for our 2021 season. So that worked out nicely. That is nice. Which yeah. is which is a blessing. No I kidding. Mean, uh, no kidding. As topsy-turvy as everything's been, to get, to get the folks – in that you wanted to get in to begin with is is pretty kind of phenomenal actually and talk a little bit about also being able to make sure that the licensing you know you there had to be some give and take on the side of the the licensing for the shows themselves that you could actually move them back and do them again and we we had a a, a great level of understanding from the royalty houses that licensed the shows they understood the situation right and, and man there were no problems um, yeah well again everybody was in the same boat right every, yeah. th- every theater was in the same boat so that was probably sort of a uh a, you know a, a global problem that they they handled with equity everywhere well and everybody yeah. everybody has approached the reopening year differently some people went ahead and uh altered their seasons to smaller productions not knowing you know what the uh what mandates might exist by the time they actually did those shows uh we kept our season gigantic uh from the 2020 uh original plan um but uh, we moved to the opening to August uh hopefully to give a little bit more time for uh everybody to feel comfortable and I think it all turned out that this is the way to go. Well, oh, good. That's a good segue to talk about the season that's coming up. I mean, it is. tell us, tell it us is. a little bit about what's on the agenda and uh, what you're looking forward to, what what the patrons can look forward to. Well, I always say that's asking a parent uh, to pick their favorite child. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of them in some sure. form or fashion. Of course, <laughs> uh, we're opening with Disney's The Little Mermaid. Uh, this will be the Lyceum premiere of that classic story. Fish meets boy. I don't know. <laughs> Not exactly sure Fish what that is. Fish loses boy. Right. Yeah. Fish loses voice. Yeah. <laughs> Finds boy. I don't know. Octopus mixes everything. <laughs> right, right, right. After that, we've got Singing in the Rain. Uh, so we go from under the sea to uh, uh, the uh, the rain falling from the heavens. Um, I see a wet theme. Here. Yeah, it wasn't really intentional. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how we did that. Uh, then we have Sister Act, which is based, of course, on the... Uh, 
we we figured out what year this was, didn't we? Yeah, 1992 was a film. Yeah, and so Whoopi uh, Goldberg, based yep. on the Whoopi Goldberg film. Yeah. It actually started on it started on Broadway in 2011. Was the musical? The, yeah, the musical. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ran 526 performances. You got a lot of I took information notes. on your crib sheet over I, I, there. I did a little bit of homework. Show prep know. is Brad's life. Yes. Show <laughs> prep is my, is my life. And just so everybody knows, uh, for show dates, uh, Little Mermaid, August 11th through the 22nd. Uh, Singing in the Rain, September the 2nd through September the 12th. And we're up to Sister Act, which was which will be September the 23rd through October the 3rd. And, so. and shout out the website so that any patron anywhere can go and get these dates, times, ticket information, whatever. Absolutely. Um, Visit our website at Lyceum Theater. That's theater spelled R-E. Yep. The correct way. Dot org. LyceumTheater.org. And we'll post that on our website also. We'll link that. We'll link your website to ours so that people who visit our website can easily connect to you. And just a little just a little tip. It would be my thought is you better get the Little Mermaid tickets and, and get on it pretty quick because that's one that they bring families and yep. it will sell out. I can almost tell you it will oh, yeah. sell out. Oh, yeah. So then we are up to October the 15th through the 24th with Dame Agatha Christie herself and Murder on the Orient Express. Did you notice this past fall how we went from Halloween to spooky season? I, I'd, I'd never heard this before, but people started referring to the entire month of October this past year in 2020 as spooky season. <laughs> I must have missed that. I, I've I never heard, heard it that. before in my life. Uh, so I guess we're doing Murder on the Orient Express in the thick of spooky, spooky season. season yeah. Yeah. Um, this is actually, you know, there have been two film adaptations. Uh, there has never been a stage version until this new version written by Ken Ludwig. Uh, and, Great playwright. Oh, he's Love just Ken the best. Ludwig. Lend me a tenor, Moon yeah. Over Buffalo. Yeah. Moon over yeah. Buffalo. Clever, clever. Crazy for you. Yeah. The book for Crazy for You. Clever, yeah, that's right. Clever, clever writer. Yeah. Uh, well, he's adapted Agatha's uh, sprawling uh, murder mystery, and we're really excited about this because the entire thing takes place on a train, obviously. And uh, Ryan Zern Gable, our resident scenic designer and technical director, I ended up not getting the entire staff in. By Ryan, the way, Ryan, I was going to say Ryan is is a freaking genius. And I want to just go on the record and say you must have interrupted me before I got to. I, him. I did, I did, I, I apologize, but <laughs> Ryan does stuff on that stage that just blows the mind. He is amazing, and 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 just does such wonderful things for our productions, and has. Uh, conceived this automated uh, train that's going to move from one car to the next. I can't wait. It's really going to be dynamite. And oh yes, Ryan has to make it rain also. In Singing in the Rain. In the rain. You bet. So yeah, we were talking about that, that I saw that original in the West End. And the thing I remember the most about it is, where's all that water going? And how is it? I was trying to figure out how it all works. You just got to so. embrace the magic. You don't need yeah. to get worked up on the, that. That's, no. that's our job. No, don't I'm look on the, behind the curtain. I'm on the board. I want to freaking know this time. I'm going to come back after the show. I want to see how it rains on stage. You so. know, the last time that the Lyceum produced uh, Singing in the Rain was in 1993 in the middle of the flood. The flood. Uh, the flood year. Gosh. Yeah. So anyway, we were back to uh, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, October the 15th through the 24th. That thing has been produced. It was also a radio show. Did you know that? 
I wouldn't be surprised. They did it as a radio show. It was the film, 74 film with Albert Finney may have been. Look that one up sometime, Keith, and look at the cast. Oh, it's got an all-star cast. Sean Connery. It's got an all-star cast. Everybody's in there. Of course, the one they did did with Kenneth Branagh is an all-star, is kind of an all-star. It is. It was the bridge too far of murder mysteries. (laughs) 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 Remember the cast in that movie? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It couldn't make that now. It cost five. Oh my it cost, God. cost two billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just for just for casting. I can't wait to see the trains. That's going to be that's going to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm anxious to see the set design and how that works. I'm sure it's creative, and you guys will knock it out of the yeah, park. Yeah, he and and it's already done because he did all this work for the 2020 season. Yeah, that's another good thing about this postponement. We've done a lot of the work already. Yeah. And we're getting some work done, uh, much needed on our uh, stagecraft areas in the back, which uh, needed it. We've very added much. a uh, a climate controlled uh, break room to the scene shop, yes, uh, which to the scene shop. is uh, something that we've wanted for years. We've made uh, some really exciting improvements to our sound booth area so that our audio engineer can really better hear what's happening in the room, which wasn't really so much possible before. Uh, so lots of good stuff has happened in the. Intermission, the pause, yeah. the fugue well, state, the whatever theater, this was. The theater's done the same thing we've all done. Yes. I mean, my gosh, go to Lowe's or something during this pandemic. There's people doing projects all over the place because right. they're home. Well, you know, and, and, and you've learned, you're like any business, you've learned to adapt and do things a different way uh, during this pandemic. Right. And actually, most everybody has benefited from learning some new things and adapting, uh, there there have been some positives that have come out of it that can be used moving forward. There have to be, right? Well, I, we I, would hope so. So we're up to December, and uh, what I consider one of the, actually one of the most loved traditions at the Lyceum. It has certainly become, become a tradition, December the 15th through December the 23rd, and that is a Christmas carol. I thought you were looking to see what it was called. No, I was not <laughs> looking to see. It's one of my favorite things called, what is it? Uh, it's got that guy no. Scrooge in it. <laughs> yeah, the one with the guy Scrooge. Yeah, it's you and your buddy Chuck wrote this. Yes. yes. This is very uh, faithfully adapted from Charles Dickens' original uh, novella. It is a tradition for our audience. It's also a tradition for our company and our organization Uh, we get to get uh, it's just like old home week uh people that have worked for us over the years all come back together uh each year we have a few cast members who have been with it since the very beginning uh laura Sexauer, who plays actually she's she just got married i officiated her wedding last weekend in the rain um (laughs) laura paulsell now uh has played the ghost of christmas past for us every year since we began Oh, wow. You know, the thing I like about it, Quinn, is you go right up to the 23rd of December, right up to Christmas. Well, when my, are you going to feel more Christmas? Well, no, I, 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 my, that's my point. My family, my immediate family, we have kind of a tradition of we celebrate our Christmas on the 23rd because we were always traveling to grandparents and things like that right. on the 24th and 25th. So what a great way to celebrate Christmas Eve Eve yeah. on the 23rd than to see the, the Christmas carol. It's a lot of fun. You, you you can feel that in the audience, actually, as you get closer and closer to Christmas. The the, the cheer level yeah. just ratchets up uh, <laughs> every single day. Yeah, that's great. But this year, you did did something a little different. Yeah, if you say it was an unprecedented year, I'll slap you. I don't want to hear that again. I don't want to hear that. But it was, <laughs> no, I got to tell you what, it was one of the most interesting, creative, and unique productions of Christmas Carol I have ever seen in my life. Brenda and I just sat there and just went, 
I don't know how they're doing this, but this is... I missed it, so... This is so cool. I missed it, so tell us about it. We were... uh, We just couldn't let a year go by without having some version of that annual tradition. Uh, And uh, we kind of made it up as we went. And it, it, it was sort of a... A genre-defying virtual production. It was anchored on the stage of the, the, the theater, but we had actors all over the country participating uh, in, in their own apartments uh, as the various characters. And uh, something, ultimately, that we were really proud of. I mean, look, it can't recreate the magic of breathing the same air and being in the room with people as something is happening as we were talking about earlier, that can't be rewound. Uh, and is the nature of live theater. That's it. Right. Live yeah, theater should right. be life. But we got as close as we could, and we were really proud with that's really how, cool. how it all turned out. That's really cool. Yeah. The, and, guy, and the guy that they have that plays Scrooge, Keith. You've told me about this guy, he, and he, I've got to see him. Sometime. He is Scrooge. Yeah. No, I, I, I think on his, on his driver's license it says <laughs> Ebenezer... <laughs> Scream. And it may well appear AK, that way AK, on stage. He, he's one of the nicest human beings I've yeah. ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah. But that's just a good actor. Yeah. He's just yeah. so good. Yeah. He's even got the pointy nose. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he looks he looks like Scrooge. He does. Yeah. He does. That's cool. Hey, Bon Vivants, you know when We Like That Too was launched, we knew very little about what was needed to promote the podcast online. That's right. So we turned to Greg Arnold at GAA Consulting. GAA Consulting was a lifesaver helping us get things started. Greg is a small business owner who loves helping small businesses grow. He takes the time to listen to your business goals. GAA Consulting will custom design your website and create a digital marketing strategy to help you reach those goals. Every project is tailor-made to meet your small business needs and preferences. And Greg can teach you to manage things yourself or... You can hand things over to him, and he'll lighten your workload. You know, if your business needs help building an online presence, visit GAAConsultingLLC.com. That's GAAConsultingLLC.com. Custom solutions for your small business needs. And thanks to Greg for sponsoring the podcast. All right, moving on. Now we've got – we have a couple of classics here because as we talked about with the 60th anniversary, we wanted to look back and look forward. And so this is looking back back. This This is is looking pretty far back. For these two, yeah. This is 1938 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama, Our Town. So much of what makes the Lyceum Theater what it is is its location in Arrow Rock. And initially we wanted to find something that really – celebrated small town life. And there is no better play to do that than Thornton Wilder's Our Town. Now, we had no idea that we were about to uh, participate in a pandemic uh, when we chose that. But now, after the fact, that play is also about looking back on life and realizing all of the tiny little moments of life that go by too quickly to even be appreciated. And I think for those of us that are only just now having the opportunity to see Many of our friends, our families, I just saw mine for the first time two weeks ago. That really resonates. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I think our town is always timely, but I think it's going to be especially so. That, uh, well, it's next an year. iconic piece of American drama, probably the quintessential American play. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many ways to interpret, adapt, produce, stage, design, whatever you want to do with this script. It's very versatile. I saw and, a production yeah. of it. One of my favorite productions of it I ever saw when I lived in New York. It was a, a little off-Broadway company. And the George and Emily, 
who are normally played by younger people. They're right. the younger characters that eventually get married. Um, and they were played by actors in their late seventies, early eighties. Interesting. And the stage manager was played by a kid. Normally it's played by some old guy. Um, so they switched they the role. They switched it around. They switched the, the and, role. And That's I will cool. tell you that soda shop scene in our town where George and Emily are sort of, I don't know, charting the territory for their eventual courtship, watching two actors at that point in their lives playing uh, the young people was hands down one of the most moving things I've ever seen in my I life. <laughs> it, it's just one of those plays that can sustain that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Our Town's a classic, and then the next one is also, again, uh, a classic piece of drama. From our very first season in 1961. That's First performed in 1892, Charlie's Aunt. Yeah, this is... uh one of one of the great farces uh, <laughs> about uh, two uh, two undergrads that are hoping to court two young women, but they can't do it without a chaperone. Uh, they are waiting for Charlie's aunt from Brazil uh, to arrive. She doesn't show up, so they get their friend who is interested in amateur theatricals to throw on a dress and pretend to be Charlie's aunt from Brazil, where the nuts come from. Where the nuts yes. come from, yep. And uh, great hilarity and hijinks ensue. It's it a terrific a classic play. comedy. As I and, said, it's, uh, the, it's one of the first door slammers. Yes, you know? it so is, it is. It's a good one. That was actually done, I, I would say that has been done more than maybe any show next to our town i mean it's i I can't i would love to know what the number of performances is i think you're right and especially uh, because of like educational theater it's accessible it got a lot of roles that give young performers so every junior high and high school have done probably both of those shows at one time or another I, Uh, i was in it in college and 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 i loved it because there was one scene where there was a full lunch served and as a college student, getting a free meal every time you went to do a show, oh, it was the best. There was artificial crab in the salad. I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they've, they've done it as a radio show, I learned, and they did it as a Playhouse 90. On that old te- series, yeah, on, that series on, on television. Early, those were actually television. those were cool series when they would. It was a teleplay. It was mm-hmm. a play. I mean, it was yeah. it was uh, it was on camera, but it was like on a, a play set. Huh. There wasn't there weren't any, like edits or anything no, like they that. Didn't they change just, scenes. Yeah, it, was cool. it was pretty much you you filmed the play. Yeah, wow. yeah. which so. which is kind of refreshing given the fact that sometimes when they try to make. They go from the stage to yes. uh, yeah. now to that, that's a big conversation that I would love to have, but that that that's going to be a whole other hour. Yeah, on sure. I know. Well, there's there's um, positive and, and negative about that also, but I, I remember um, when I was in college, one of the courses was an introduction to theater, and it was a general studies course that anybody could take, not just theater majors. But they actually showed one of those classic old uh, Playhouse ninety plays to sort of as a bridge to television viewers into this world of theater mm-hmm. that most people are not familiar with unless you've been exposed to it. Right. So, yeah, that's that's cool. Let me go back on a, on those two shows because um, what we needed to do because we moved the, the season back is we have jumped into 2022. So the last production that we will do in 2021 is Christmas Carol and then – uh, Thornton Wilder's Our Town will be March the 2nd through March the 6th, and Charlie's Aunt will be a f- couple of weeks later, and that's March the 16th through March the 20th, and then something very different, we will have Elvis 
The, the musical, The King. The King. Bah, 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 bah. March 31st to April 10th. Thank you very much. Did you like that? Did you like that? That was good. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, what else could I say? You, you, you've, you've told us through song. Well, we were talking about um, you You wouldn't uh, reveal, but evidently our Elvis is going to be quite amazing. He's dynamite. Uh, and uh, the, the the story itself, it actually is the story of Elvis's life. So this is not just a review. It's all kinds of Elvis music, uh, but it's all told through his career. Um Starting off as a little kid, there's a little Elvis in the show that you can look forward to. As tiny, well. tiny Elvis. Yeah, tiny, tiny Elvis. Tiny E. <laughs> <laughs> what are the? Oh no! That was back when Saturday Night Live was let's funny. Not, I go. did that. We, again. Do we want to go any further? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's best that we don't. <laughs> let's but, move on. But Tiny E was kind of funny. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Oh, All right, okay. so that is the season, ladies that and gentlemen. That is an exciting season, Quinn. Congratulations. Yes. We're very happy for you guys, and we are thrilled. That live theater is beginning to open up everywhere. And, you know, to our listeners out there, we like to think we have a listenership who enjoy the things that we do, hence the, the title of the podcast. We like that, too. But patronize your local theaters. Patronize your local artists. Venues, those kind of things. Go out, buy a ticket, see a show. Help these folks get back on their feet, up and running. The performers need it. The, uh, the theater companies need it. We need it as patrons and consumers of the arts. We need art in our life. And what better way to pull ourselves out of a situation like we've been in in 2020 than to go and expose ourselves to art. And especially, and especially Keith and, and Quinn, um, when, when appropriate, take your kids. Expose oh. your children and your kids to the arts. I don't care what, Early. what it Early is. Early and whether, often. Whether it's one guy sitting on a stool uh, strumming a guitar or going to the Fox Theater or going up to the Lyceum or, or – The local high school play. Local high school play. Theater, it doesn't matter it. what it you is. Bet. You know, some of the educational uh, programming that I think is so important. It is so important. And I just – without that, gentlemen, we have no future theater. No, we don't. If we don't have our our little folks getting involved, then we're not going to have them as as older folks that buy tickets. So, and you look at what we did over this uh, time period for those of us that were really locked up at home. What did we do? We 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 turned on Netflix. <laughs> we, yeah, we watched. I watched uh, way too much right TV. But the, you know but. that that's created. By artists. I mean, it's, it's sometimes easy to feel uh, distanced from it because it's on your TV, but it, it, it is the same work. Yeah. The thing that we're missing is the opportunity to all experience it together, and that yes. always makes yeah. the experience more full. And make no mistake, live theater, the interaction between performer and audience and that environment is different than through a movie or television. Not better, not worse, different. Yeah. And they both have their place, but if... If you haven't experienced that, it is a different experience. Well, you know what else happens in a theater? And this, uh, there are fewer and fewer opportunities uh, to experience this anywhere. I don't know that five people agree with another five people in an audience. If you were to bring up the news of the day or uh, politics or whatever it is, uh, you might have a big old Thanksgiving dinner fight on your hands. Um, but in the theater, we bring all of those people together and we turn off the lights on them and together they applaud great musical numbers together. They laugh at the same jokes. And for about two and a half hours, you have what is actually a human experience. Yes. Commonality. Uh, a shared commonality. Yeah. Right. Commonality. It was a, we, we've talked about this a lot on this, on this show that, you know, it's, um, 
back when uh, you had three stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next morning, there's a pretty good chance that everybody that you worked with the saw cooler, what yeah. you, the exact same thing. Yeah. You have, as far as televisions, you have no commonality anymore. I mean, everybody's watched. There's 200 something. Somebody goes to watch a show. A live show, like over to our new amphitheater, and that's. Yeah. I think it's just powerful. It's shared, especially, it's shared experience, especially yeah. up at the Lyceum. We have four hundred seats, roughly, and it's an intimate experience. It's it not a bad seat in the house. You feel like you are a part of what's going to happen that night, and you're a character in the building. Well, and, and you know, one of the neat things that happens too among our subscribers who have the same seats around the same people for every show, unless they exchange them to a different date, they make friends. Around them in the literal seats. Oh, sure. They may be from com- completely different towns. Yep. My parents went to France and hung out with people that sit by them at the theater. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that actually happened. It just happened that both of their vacations were at the same time. They didn't go together, but the, the community that, that that building creates is something that I'm just, I, I've missed so much and I cannot oh, wait for August. No, you're right. And you know, you, you meet people anywhere who share the love for live theater and there is a, an automatic connection. Mm-hmm. We're in New York City, in Times Square at the TKTS booth, and that is the that's the place where you can go the same day and buy half price tickets. There's usually quite a queue of people lined up, so we're waiting our turn. My wife Janet, who knows no strangers, strikes up a conversation with people behind us in line. They're from Alaska. Now, what do we have in common with anyone from Alaska? Turns out they did their theater training at K-State, and had the same professor that we had in Warrensburg. Amazing. And we're like, you talk about less than six degrees of separation, but small world, yeah. you know, and you yeah. make those connections through the theater community, and uh, they last a lifetime. Yeah. They really do. That's true. Yeah. So. We, we, take a, we take a lot of trips as fundraisers for the theater, and if I can tell this quick story, we, uh, we were in New York with a, a group of patrons. I think there were about 40 of them. And we'd had a full day of activities, and the day was wrapping up. And uh, uh, one of one of the couples said, "Can we go do something fun? Can we go dancing somewhere?" And I lived in New York, and I couldn't think of any place to go dancing. I said, "I think there's a drag show at this bar over here. Do you want to go?" And we did. And several other people came with us. So here we are, all of these uh, mid Missourians uh, uh, at this drag show. And um, her name was uh, Paige Turner, <laughs> the drag queen's name. It's way more subtle than most. Dress <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, there's, she, there's some even on a podcast. We yeah, probably should. Yeah. yeah, she did her whole show and she picked on every single person in the audience except me, and I'm sitting right up front. And I'm happy about that because I don't want to be bothered. But at the same time, I'm thinking I'm not good enough. What's for the matter with right. you? What's yeah. the matter with me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, the show ends, and you know the whatever eight people from from here uh, were just milling about in the bar, and Paige made her way around to, to thank everybody for coming to the show, and she walked up to me and said, "Well, hey, Quinn, how are you?" And I had no idea who she was. <laughs> it turned out that he um, had played uh, Laurie in Little Women the Musical that I directed in Arrow Rock. I just didn't recognize him at all in all sure, of his yeah, you know, well, stuff. Sure, yeah, well, you're not supposed that's to. That's the Again, point, yeah. Small world. No kidding. And eventually, I believe funny. all roads lead back to Arrow Rock. Yeah. <laughs> all roads lead back to Arrow Rock. All right. Well, this has been fun. I mean, I, oh, I, we could talk theater all day. And you know what? We will. Yeah. We will have you on again. I love it. And uh, so this sort of brings us to the next portion of the program, and that is 
three top picks. What's, well, what's the three top today, picks this Today week? we decided that we would go back to the movies, and we're going to yeah, After gonna all think, this talk of live theater, yeah. we're going to pick a, right. a, a movie. <laughs> well, topic. this is what we do, Keith. That's okay. This is what we do, too, Quinn. We... It would be real easy to go, oh, what were your three favorite, you know, Broadway musicals or right. something like that? We we tend to go against type a little bit. Right. So think about when you've watched movies and you, you think, I would like to have done that role. That would have been fun. Mm-hmm. That would have been a that would have been a neat thing to be able to do. And, you know, I've said that about roles that I knew that there was no way on this planet that I would ever be able to do. But it would have been Fun to try. So, try, try so to that brings it. up a good question, Brad, because when I started thinking through this, I'm thinking outside the box here. This isn't necessarily a role that I would have ever been cast in as far as physical type or right. anything like that. So I kind of threw all that out the window. Right. This is just like something that would have been fun to do. I really would want to do it. So I hope that's the in, spirit in, in which the, it was in intended. The, in, the, in the making of the film, I would have thought, that really would have been a fun. It looked like on screen they were having a really good time in, in doing this yeah. in this part. And then I've got a couple of them that I kind of did type a little. No, <laughs> no that's okay too. I, I, sure. I, I get it. But you know, I mean, some of the, a couple of mine is like you wouldn't. I would never have been cast as this, but it would be fun. Well, you know? before we get into this conversation, I want you to know that Brad uh, fired some warning shots my way about this and and told me to think of my three favorite roles in uh, in in movies. He spelled it R O L L S. God. And so, <laughs> well, I really like the croissant I, and breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, I've been looking at the work of John Candy, Orson Welles, um, I'm ne- uh, Brian Denny. I did that. I'm never having you on this show again. <laughs> Gra- grammar matters. That's like that's like the let's eat grandma, <laughs> right? Without right. the comma, where's the comma? Let's eat grandma. And and I I saw it after I wrote it. No way. I want that back. <laughs> I used the wrong you, role. You blame autocorrect. I, roll, I you blame autocorrect for that one. It was yeah. autocorrect. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So uh, we always let the guests go first and just do one at a time and we'll kind of go around. So, okay. uh, yeah. All right. So your first p- top pick of movie roles you would have loved to have played. I, I, I'm going to say that this is sort of the understood and I'm not going to count this as one of my three, but oh, uh, we do cheat. We, we have, have, we have, our, we have our own mentions, mentions all over the place. If I could play an anonymous stormtrooper in any star Wars movie, that would be <laughs> oh. the, the greatest thrill of my life. I don't need to be a character. Geek yeah. Role. That's your geek. Yeah. Role. Yeah. 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 But I'm not counting that. Okay. All right. Um, there's a, there's a theme among the characters or the roles that I picked and I didn't do this on purpose. My first one, I would be, and let's remove everything we know about the actor that played the role. No judgment here. Yeah. Now I can't think of what his actual character name is. I know who well, he is, and well, it's not, it. you don't discover until the end of The Usual Suspects that he is Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze. Um, but it's a Kevin Spacey yeah. character, uh, right? Verbal. Okay. Verbal, that's what it is. Yeah. That's his name. This is not me wanting to be Kevin Spacey, but I it's know. one of those great roles where uh, he has such a tremendous secret that isn't revealed until the last few yeah. moments of the movie. Yeah. All right. That's a good that's one. That's fine. That that's is a good, a good one. one. Yeah. You opened up the whole Quentin Tarantino type thing also. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't even think about some of those. Yeah. Those are classics. So my first one is actually, um, again, this is a role I never, I don't think ever would have even ever been considered for. But when you think about iconic movie genres, and I kind of did spread mine over some different genres, I'll just say bond. 
James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Moneypenny. Moneypenny. Oh, Moneypenny. You think oh. about like, classic, iconic characters in movies. What a great, you know, an ongoing character, a repeated character that actually has morphed and evolved over time. But still the epitome of cool. Every cool. every guy wants to be ice, that cool. Ice water in his veins, yep. shaken, not stirred. I think you, know. you have to drill down deeper on this, though, because I, I think you have to pick your bond. Well, Sean Connery, for me, is I, my bond, yeah. although I do think others have been worthy, and I don't it, – it's not to uh, – George put, Lazenby, really? They've all been worthy? <laughs> well, I've never seen George Lazenby's what? performance. Uh, I know he only did uh, one, but I've never seen it, so I can't judge. So Connery is the one that's iconic for me, but I actually like you know I like Roger Moore. I I like the current Bond. I I heard they were going to make a know. female Bond. I think it's probably time to shake it up a little bit. Well, I, I'm not surprised, but I I thought I heard that somewhere. I don't know who it was going to be. Yeah. Anyway, with the yeah. 007 that's license good. to kill. And you picked a franchise, so you're always going to have work. Yeah, that's that's the other range. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of business it's side a good, too. It's a good financial. I think move. I'm dead at the end of my movie. So. Yeah. Especially, I think every Bond movie's made a bazillion dollars, right. whether they were any good or not. They, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a certain few million people that are going to go watch yeah, a new Bond exactly Bond right. film, no matter yeah. no matter what. All right, Brad, what's yours? Well, my first one, just because I think it would be one of the most fun fun parts to play, is I I would like to be Marty McFly. Oh, uh, that's very good. I would like to go back back in the future, and I think it would be fun, you know, to be able to ask, you know, which when would you like to go back to the future? Yeah. So what what period do you think would be fun to You actually jump in would at? have made a good Marty McFly. You kind of you you could have been cast in that role. Short. Well, I don't mean that, but <laughs> yeah. I mean you have you, you kind of have a youthful face and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm I start calling you Calvin now. <laughs> <laughs> I almost picked Doc Brown. That's so funny. I was really close. Well, see, That's I've actually too. Uh, but have you ever sat in a DeLorean? We, I, I have actually. We have. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's a good one. That's anyway, good. Marty, Marty McFly. McFly. I yeah. I love the movie because it was it was so creative. It was so well written, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of attracted me too. Uh, well, and a small franchise there too. And a small yeah, franchise several, there several too. Several follow up movies that uh, right were respectable. Yep. Yeah. Good. So all right, number two, Marte. My, my next one is uh, in the uh, high profile, low maintenance category. Let me get a drink of water real quick. <laughs> I'm, now I'm really curious as to what that is. I am I'm kind of interested to hear what this is going to be, too. William Atherton played this character, Walter Peck, in the original Ghostbusters. He's the inspector from the EPA. I am desperate to play that role. Yes. <laughs> Man has no dick. <laughs> That's it. That's the guy. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it. I can't. He yeah. looks like me. Yeah, okay. he's he's the EPA guy. He's the one that yeah. wants to shut him down. He goes downstairs and and gives him the business and says, "Oh, yeah. that's a good one." Yeah, that's a good one. And then again, a bit of a franchise. Was he in the second one? No, it wasn't. He dies. Second. Oh, that's right. Yes, was he in, was he engulfed in marshmallow? I, maybe he doesn't die, but he does get a lot of marshmallow poured on top of yes, him. Yes, he yeah. does. Asphyxi- okay. Asphyxiation May I please by marshmallow. <laughs> see the containment unit, Doctor Benkman. <laughs> Every time I've had to play a prissy jerk. Uh, <laughs> now I might have to go watch that clip. I just don't recall. He, he's brilliant. He really is. It's been so long since I've seen Ghostbusters, and I love the movie, but it has been a long time. So that's all right. That's oh, good I like it. Okay, so what's your uh, next one? I so my next one is actually, I, we cheat. So it's either between uh-huh. Captain Miller and Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Or 
Paul Edgecombe in The Green Mile. Both Tom Hanks roles, both great movies, but I just think, man, they were just such such great roles. I would have loved to have played. Those are those. Are, that's meaty acting, there, boy. Yeah, I know. I I, I didn't just go for the no, comic, the no, lighthearted I, stuff. But, no, but, that's good. Yeah, and, and I had a hard time deciding between the two because Tom Hanks is my favorite actor anyway, and so and he just knocked it out of the park with like everything he does with those roles. So yeah. And they were impactful movies. Both of them, the movies as as they stand alone, are probably at the top of, you know, on my top ten list of all time. So, mm-hmm. good directors you would have gotten to work with. Good co-stars in both uh, films. Right. So, right. That's my second. That's two A and two B, <laughs> or not two B. <laughs> or not two B. <laughs> ah, guess look what we did there. <laughs> oh, look what you did. There. All right. Um, my second one is uh, and and. The fact that, that he did not receive an Academy Award nod for this is really still... I'm just waiting to hear what this is now. Sergeant Hulka. <laughs> the big toe. The You're big, our big toe, Sergeant We're trying Hulka. to see how far I can stick my big toe up your ass. Yeah, I love Sergeant Hulka. I think he was one of the... Uh, I think he was one of the best character actors. Oh my gosh. I did well. Stripes, oh, he was a great Stripes is, is one of you know. Yeah, but he was a great character actor. Yeah. Oh my god! And I've seen him in uh, you know I watch TCM a lot, and you'll see, and I'll go, oh, it's Sergeant Hulka. He's in that. He's in this. And yeah, he plays. He, he played was, a lot of dramatical roles. He was um, young Anjanu when he was young. Yeah, in, in the business. Wait, yep. is that his name or his character? Oh, the character no, no, you're Sar- talking Sergeant about. Hulka from from Stripes. Yeah. And yeah. the actor's name is, isn't it Warren? Warren Oates. Warren Oates. Yeah. Warren Oates. Played a lot of cowboys. He did. Um, but great actor. Very underrated actor. He got blown up. Yeah. yeah. Blown up real good. <laughs> <laughs> Lighten up, where's, Francis. Where's your, where's your commanding guard? Blown up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact check. <laughs> That's my favorite. The line is, lighten up. Francis, Francis. Up Francis. you guys call me Francis. <laughs> I'll kill you. I'm not sure that I've ever actually seen Stripes. What? What? Yeah. Uh. Oh. And I love Bill Murray. I love Harold Ramis. Right. Like, I, 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 but I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh. That's your homework assignment. There for you the go. Movie. No, that sounds good. Yeah, you have well, to watch you, Stripes. Yeah. John Candy. John Candy, John Candy is in it. Yeah. Harold, Speaking Harold, of roles, Harold Ramis, Ramis is, in is in it. Yeah. <laughs> When they're when they're at the recruiting station, have you ever been involved in any homosexual activity? <laughs> no, but we are willing to learn. <laughs> <laughs> convicted? No, never, yes. con- never convicted. convicted of any crimes. <laughs> convicted? No. <laughs> All right. As soon as they get home. I'll oh watch yeah. It. There's a. You talk about great movie lines. There's oh, a bunch of good. It's it's that's a quote. A that's a quote machine there. That's that a quote machine there. All right. I almost picked for my third one, uh, maybe my favorite actor of all time. Uh, he's in my top two. Uh, Tim Curry as Wadsworth in the movie Clue. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Would love to play that role. He did a great job of that role. And again, sort of like verbal, there's a little secret twist there at the end that he ends up being sort of the mastermind of the whole thing. Yeah. But I didn't pick him. Um, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, folks. <laughs> the movie came out in 1980-something. You well, should have seen it by now. Oh, yeah. kind of like if Stripes. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Ouch. Fair enough. Touche. That's what you get for the roll thing. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. I knew there was going to be trouble. <laughs> Paybacks are a bitch. Paybacks are a bitch. We were almost to home plate, and then it got rough. (laughs) 
one of my all-time favorite actors, um, and he actually started off in Westerns too, uh, is Robert Preston. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I'm really torn, uh, uh, but I, I made a decision. I was going to say Harold Hill and the Music Man because mm. I think that performance on film is just one of the – I want to be him. It's not that I want to play the role. I just want to be that guy. So that was the – not to interrupt you, Quinn, yeah, but please. I'm going to. But that was the other thing I wondered about. Are these roles we would have liked to have played as an actor, or are these roles of the we'd actually like to be that character? Right, right. So that's kind of how I went with Bond. Harold Hill, yeah. like the Harold Hill, yeah. would be in my top ten because yeah. I think first of all, uh, when you do Troubles, one of the hardest songs in all of musical theater. Yeah, to the to first get, real rap to in get musical. it. it right. Yeah, it right. is. <laughs> but um, that scene in, in Music Man is is iconic. When when Winthrop is. Yelling at him to let him go, leave me go is what his line yeah. is, and and Harold grabs the kid and said, he says, I always think there's a band, kid. Yeah, I it just oh I, yeah, it's a great role. Yes. I also love any story that that is centralized on a ne'er do well, um, who, who you know he he has his transformation, of course. Again, right. spoiler, yeah. but that's not who I picked either. Um, I picked another Robert Preston role uh, in Victor Victoria. Victor Victoria, oh, yeah. he's great in that. That's a great movie. Yeah. I love that movie. I think that is that is an almost perfect movie. You know who's a great counterpoint in that movie is James Garner. James Garner's amazing. James Garner is amazing in that movie. I yeah. like anything James Garner ever did. Yeah, I, he's I think pretty he's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty solid. Support your local sheriff and support your local gunfighter. Yeah. Two two of my favorite. Well, Ma- favorite and the Maver- you know, Maverick Maverick stuff was yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. was top notch. So The Great Escape. Greatest, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was the scrounger. The scrounger in The Great Escape. Great he was role. good in The Notebook. He was good. That was James Garner. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> I think he's... I think It he's, was getting a little too testosterone in here, I, I thought. Uh, yeah. I, no, that's good. Yeah. I have to wipe the tear out of my eye now. <laughs> it's so, getting mean. So before it's I do getting, my third one... It's getting mean again. Yeah, we've lost all control. <laughs> before I get to my third one, I'll do my honorable mentions. And again, covering genres, I've done spies, I've done war movies and prison movies. So the, the other one, uh, honorable mention, is um, Rooster Cogburn in True Grit. Uh, the, the John, original? The John Wayne version. Fill your hands, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And then the dude. I almost picked that the myself. Dude, the dude abides. That was on my list. The uh, dude. The white Russians and the dude abides. And, that, you know, shut up, Walter. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it was on just the other night, so I love I love the Big Lebowski. Interesting that that's a Coen Brothers movie, and they remade the Rooster Cogborn. Yeah, uh, True Grit. True Grit, yeah. yeah. With Jeff Bridges yeah. as Rooster yeah. on the second one, yeah. So it's all sort of connected. Yeah. That is connected. I didn't even think about that. But but my true third pick is Tootsie. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> it was so... <laughs> what do you mean you didn't sit down? I was a beefsteak tomato. How are you going to sit down as a beefsteak tomato? I did an on beef salad and knocked the critics on their ass. <laughs> it wasn't logical. <laughs> It's not that nobody in New York wants to work with you. Nobody in L.A. wants to work with you either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that's a, it's a, First of all, it's a great script. Yeah. It's so cleverly written. And uh, Sidney Pollack, I mean, I know he directed it, but just the role that he played in that as the manager was classic. Bill Murray's classic. Uh, yeah, great cast. Bill great Murray cast. has appeared in a lot of these movies that we picked today. By the way, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He, has. he has. Yeah, he's somebody. He's somebody we should try to get on the podcast. Oh my god! You know, you just have to leave a message. No, I know. I know. Up. He's very accessible yeah. from what I hear. Well, his brother lives in Kansas City. No. Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, they see they see the two of them in Kansas City. Brian, all the time. Brian yeah. Doyle. Yeah, Brian Doyle lives in Kansas City. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, we need pull. Katie, Katie said one time. My daughter said they were at a restaurant or something because there was there was a hubbub and they go, "What's going on?" And I was, "Oh, uh, guys are having lunch," and the two of them were having lunch. Well, I heard, you know, I've heard stories like people see him out and say, "Hey, we're having a party tonight." He'll come over. He'll come over. He was doing dishes in the kitchen at somebody's party one yeah. night. Goes, well, you guys go ahead and drink. I'll do the dishes. It's like, this guy's different. <laughs> you know? yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. So that's my third one, Tootsie. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Now I'm distracted because I've got Bill Murray come, being here in the Bon Vivant International Media Center. That would well, be just put that in your. I bet. I bet. I bet. I bet you we could get a, a studio I, audience for that one. I what think, do you think we probably have to travel to Kansas City when he's seen. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of honorable mentions. Right. Um, one of them is um, ask your next question, Keith. I don't know if that was a good impression or not. I, I'm not I'm sure not, what it is. It was Hal. I don't, I don't have to do makeup or, or <laughs> costumes <laughs> okay. or anything. Open the Bombay doors, Keith. Open the pod, yeah. So okay. that would be that right. was, that's one of them. And oh, the, you know how they came up with the name Hal, by the way? IBM, you take the letter before IBM, it's H-A-L. Oh. That's how they came up with Hal. How about really? that? Oh. See, entertaining yeah. and, and educational. educational. That's right. That's right. They got know. a real rise out of our live audience. I know. I know that. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I well, saw they're that. on their third or fourth mimosa. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're mimosas. And the other, the other one that I think, again, a franchise here would, would be no. I, I don't think you're going to get the part. Brad. All right, get the with that accent. I don't think accent. it's going to work. It would be with Inspector Clouseau. Oh, that's it's a really a, good one. It, it, it would be with my minky. Yes, does your dog butt. <laughs> Does your dog beat? Peter Sellers in those movies. Oh my god! That's maybe the funniest uh, performance <laughs> oh ever god. captured on film. Some of the best, some of the best physical comedy that you will ever yeah. see is is Sellers. Uh, it's just, and and it wasn't. It didn't have to always be real physical type stuff. Oh, he no. could give you a look, you know, as his as his yes, mustache, uh-huh. half his mustache is, is in his mouth, right. <laughs> and he's trying to talk. Yeah, he's just- Finn. Uh, yeah. I what? You're Finn. Do you remember that uh, the the mouse that roared in which he played all the characters? Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Yes. He's unbelievable in yeah. that. I think Being There is one of his best movies. Uh, the Being There is my favorite Peter Sellers movie. Yeah, I mean, a was, laugh riot. <laughs> so the, it's so poignant, though. Yeah. I mean, no, it, I it's, it's oh, kind of sad. Kinda. It is. I mean, it just. It, I just started crying thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, but it holds a mirror up to society so much that it's tragic. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love being there. So, Any, um, any other honorable mentions? No, or, I'm uh, done with my honorable mentions. Actually, I had James Bond down, too. So we had a... We, had we a, often we, doubled. We doubled up on yeah, that. Yeah, but this did. is uh, the one that... <laughs> my number one is... Uh, I go back to 1965, and it was called The Hallelujah Trail. Do you remember the Hallelujah Trail? Yes, that was an all-star cast too. The 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 part that Ryan Keith was in that. Yes, yes, and (laughs) that was a hilarious movie. The the part that I would play would be ironically Oracle Jones, and Oracle Jones was the guy that they would shoot, give him shots, and he became clairvoyant. And decided that, oh my gosh, we live in Denver and the storms are coming in for the winter and we're going to run out of whiskey. Yeah. And so they order this wagon train 
of whiskey to go across Kansas and Missouri, and all kinds of bad things happened. They had the temperance ladies attacking the train, and they had Burt Lancaster and the Indians, and everybody was attacking him. And uh, spoiler alert, it all all goes down in a big quicksand bog. And they all stand by him at the end. And they would play this music when they would be like, Ah, before he would get his vision, <laughs> yeah, he would drink, he would take a drink, and he and he was like this. Uh, I remember who you mean. He was like this uh, minor forty nine er old type character. This Gabby Hayes, like Gabby Hayes. They'd go to the back room. He had no hair, and yeah. and, and, and he'd get this. He'd have a couple shots, and then he'd just get this look on his face, like I can see the future. <laughs> yeah. It was Donald Pleasance too. It was. Oh, just, was that Donald Pleasance? No, was, I'm sorry. It was Donald Pleasance. Oh, that played, I didn't even know who played the role. That played Oracle Jones. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And you don't <laughs> catch that one very often, but once in a while, it'll be on one of the old, you know, uh, classic movie channels. But it is hilarious. Donald yeah. Pleasance was a chameleon, he almost could, as much as Alec Guinness. He, yeah. could, he could do a lot of stuff, but in, in that part, man, he get that look on his face like, <laughs> and, and, and it's a comedy. Oh yes, oh, it's yeah. a comedy. It's a rip roaring. Oh yeah, oh, yeah Western yeah, yeah, comedy. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, everybody, Hallelujah Trail. Everybody, never heard of it. everybody yeah. tries to get their whiskey, and I don't know. And it's got and, an, it's got a lot of big stars. Yeah. In it. So, All right. So those, well, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> there we go. So this is your first live experience with the We Like That Too podcast, Quinn. So we appreciate your being here. Man. It's been a lot of fun. We do. Yeah. We do. We'll have you back. We will have you We've, back. All right. Well, this has been great. Thank you, Quinn. Thanks, Bon Vivants out there. Thank and, all the Bon Vivants. Everybody stay happy. Remember have, to and, like and share and uh, tell yeah. your friends. And That's right. If you like the program, tell your friends. And if you don't like the program, lie. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because... We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.